So the book of Acts, I said, didn't I? Who knows this um, this chapter? Well, it several, covers several chapters, so I'm going to only read from the one chapter. Who's familiar with this in the book of Acts? We're going to look into chapter 27. I'll give you a bit of background so you know the situation. Paul was, um, went down to Jerusalem and uh, the Jews, the chief priests and all the rest of them wanted to kill him. Okay? And he managed to escape out of their hands and the Roman soldier kept him from what the Jews had planned for Paul. It was God that kept him from their wicked deeds. And um, he was taken up eventually to Caesarea, okay, up on the coast north and there he went before the governor I won't go into too much just to give you a bit of background and the governor decided I'm going to keep him his name was Felix and he wasn't a cat just in case you thought and um, he wanted a bribe from Paul and he would have released him but of course Paul being the Lord's and the Lord's people also there was no bribe forthcoming so he remained just over two years in prison in Caesarea and then Agrippa turned up and a man called Festus and they had the discussion what, what are we going to do with Paul and they interviewed Paul and one of them even said, well, Agrippa, King Agrippa, Agrippa, said, you'd almost persuade me to become a Christian by what you said to me. And um, anyway, they said, if only he hadn't appealed to Caesar. If you go up into chapter 26, okay, verse 31 and when they were gone aside they talked between themselves saying this man does nothing worthy of death or of bonds then said Agrippa unto Festus this man might have been set at liberty if he had not appealed to Caesar see he appealed to Caesar and so they had to because he is a Roman citizen, they had to do what Paul requested. So we'll start chapter 27. And it was determined that we should sail. Now this is Luke writing this, who was with Paul, all right? And when it was determined that we should sail into Italy they delivered Paul and certain other prisoners unto one named Julius, a centurion of Augustus's band. 
Now, there were 275 of these prisoners, I think that's right. We'll find out later, it does actually mention how many there were. So there wasn't uh, just one or two people, 270 or something there were. I just want to, as I'm going to go through this, I'm going to make little comments and I can ask questions. But you don't need to answer to me. At the very beginning, we, we read the, in verse 1, and when it was determined that we should sail into Italy. I, I, I want to ask you a question. Are you determined in your heart? Are you determined? We, 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 there's a, a song we just used to sing, I have decided to follow Jesus. Have you made a decision in your life, I'm, I'm determined? Nothing is going to stop me. That's the sense of the word. They determined that they would sail into Italy. They delivered Paul and certain other prisoners unto a centurion named Julius, I've already said, and entered into a ship of an adramitium. We launched, meaning to sail, by the coast of Asia. And Aristarchus, a Macedonian of Thessalonica, being with us. And the next day we touched at Sidon, and Julius courteously entreated Paul and gave him liberty to go unto his friends to refresh himself. Now he'd been in prison for over two years. So he was given a little bit of leeway to go and visit Christian friends, obviously. And when we had launched from thence, we sailed unto Cyprus, because the winds were contrary. And when we had sailed over the sea of Cilicia and Pamphylia, we came to Myra, a city of Lycia. And there the centurion found a ship of Alexandria sailing into Italy and put us therein. And when we had sailed slowly many days and scarce were come over against Sindus, the wind was not suffering us, we sailed under Crete over against Salmoni. And hardly passing it, came unto a place which is called Fair Havens, nigh whereunto was the city of Lacia. And when much time was spent, and when sailing was now dangerous because of the fast, was now already past, Paul admonished them and said unto them, Sirs, I perceive that this voyage will be with hurt and with much damage, not only of the laden and ship, but also of our lives. Nevertheless, the centurion believed the master and the owner of the ship more than those things which were spoken by Paul. And because the haven was not commodious to winter in, the more part advised to depart thence also. 
if by any means they might attain unto Phoenus, there to winter, which is a haven in Crete, and lieth to the southwest and the northwest. And when the wind blew softly, supposing that they had obtained their purpose, loosing thence, they sailed close to Crete. And not long after, there arose a tempestuous wind called Eurolydon. And when the ship was caught and could not bear up into the wind, we let it drive. And running under a certain island which is called Clauda, we had much work to come by the boat or the ship, which when they had taken up and used helps undergirding the ship and fearing lest they should fall into the quicksand, struck sail and were driven. And we being exceedingly tossed with a tempest, the next day they lightened the ship and the third day we cast out with our own hands the tackling of the ship. And when neither sun nor stars in many days appeared, and no small tempest lay upon us, all hope that we should be saved was taken away. How would you like to be in a situation like that? See, they didn't listen to Paul. They said, we'll do it ourselves. Instead of taking the apostles' advice. No, we're all right. We don't need your advice. We know what we're doing. And off we go. Now, this is what happened. All these things occurred. They thought, we'll, instead of staying here, as Paul suggested, we'll go around Crete and we'll find another place where we can stop and we can stay there for the winter. Because these ships usually didn't sail in the winter, particular sized boats, because they couldn't cope. And this is in the Mediterranean, in case you wonder where we are. So instead of taking his advice, they decided to go it alone. And this is what happened to them. You know, when we don't take God's advice, so just imagine that Paul is, is the Lord in a way, just a picture, I'm not saying he is, but just imagine God's spoken something to you and you don't take God's advice, you think, well, I can manage and you can get yourself into a situation like this and you come to a place where all hope that we should be saved was then taken away. Have you ever been in a place like that? You've tried it all yourself. I know what I'm doing with my life. I don't need God's advice. I'm okay, thank you very much. I can work it all out on my own. I've been sailing for years, look at me. I'm a proper captain of my own boat. I don't need God's advice. I'm going to go it alone. Okay? It's a picture. I don't think this is written in this book. 
as a history lesson. I believe God wants, can speak through his written word to us. No matter what it is, he can make it come alive and speak to us through it. So my question is, have we come to a place where all hope that we should be saved has been taken away? I just want to say, until you come there, you can't be saved. Because you're relying on your own resources. And you can't save yourself. I can't save myself. I might think I can. I might think I've got enough information. I've got enough experience. Now, I've been sailing this boat a long time. Don't you tell me what to do. And we ignore God's advice. He speaks to us and we think, well... God wants to bring everybody to this place where they realize there is no hope of being saved. All hope of being saved is taken away. I'm telling you the truth. God wants us to come to that place. So what did they do? Look at all the things they've, they've done, trying to stop the boat from uh, going the way that they didn't want it to go. We want the boat to go this way. No, that failed. We'll throw this over. We'll get rid of that. We'll undergird the ship. We'll do this. None of it worked. And I want to say, none of it will work. Whatever you do won't work. Because it's you doing it. Not God. God won't allow it. Because you can't. You just get yourself into a bit. See, they went from one s situation to another, and then the, you know, God had to send a wind, didn't he? Have you has God sent winds into your life? Because you were doing the wrong thing instead of obeying God? As, as you know, he will, I guarantee you, if you're not listening to God and you're not doing what he's told you to do, he'll bring circumstances into your life to break you. And he'll bring you to a place where he nearly destroys you because you're rebelling against God. These went against the word of Paul. Paul was God's man. He warned them. He told them. He said, no, we know better. And look what happened. But God hadn't finished with them yet. But can you imagine being in, being verse 20? And when there was neither sun or stars. Did you know that's what they needed to guide the boat? Stars. In the night time. Sun in the daytime. That's how they navigated. God wants to take away from you and me all our means of self-navigating. I know the way to go. I followed that star and that star and I know where we're going to end up. God won't allow it. 
He wants to bring us all to a place where we don't have any help or any hope. So I can't navigate now, can I? Because there's neither sun and neither stars. And there was no small tempest laying upon us, so there was a, still had the tempest. It, I don't know what your Bible says, but my Bible says, and it's probably much nearer the Greek than many other translations, all hope. All hope. I've, lo I've got no hope anymore. Have you ever come to a place where you've got no hope? No hope in yourself. That means they had no hope in themselves. There was no hope. They couldn't rectify the situation. They couldn't control the boat. It was completely out of their control. But, but nevertheless, God was in it. It's a wonderful place to come. I'm telling you. It's a wonderful place to come. But you've got to let God bring you there. And there might be calamities, there might be disappointments, there might be situations where I wish that had never happened in my life, and you look back and say, if only, if only, if only. What do you want? What have you determined, not decided, I know yours says decided, but I prefer my version. Determined. What have you determined? Have you determined to follow God to the end? Do you really want God with all your heart, regardless of, of your, your family, your friends? You know, Jesus said, what did he say? Take up your cross and follow me. He that loveth his life shall lose it. He that loses his life for my sake shall find it. See, that they, they were going to lose their lives, weren't they? God had brought them to a place where they're about, in their own minds, to lose their lives. And you've got to come there. You've got to lose your life. You've got to say no to myself, no to my things that I want to do, my wishes, and come to a place and I surrendered everything to you, Lord. Everything. 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 Your husband, your wife, your children. I'm serious. God said, if you, Jesus said, if you love them more than you love me, you can't be my disciple. I know it's something, oh, that, that hurts. No, because you can't give your allegiance to anything else because it'll take you away from Jesus Christ. As soon as you give your allegiance to something else or instead of Jesus Christ in any given situation, it could lead you away from the purpose of God in your life. I'm not saying we shouldn't love our children in that sense. But if we put them before Jesus Christ 
it could be a real stumbling block to us. All our hope has got to be in him. All of it. You know, it's one of the three things that remain. Paul says there remaineth three. Do you know what they are? What's the three things that remain? Faith, hope, and love. These things remain. They remain in God. This is nature. God's full of faith. Did you know that? Where do you think you get your faith from? We live by the faith of the Son of God, who loved me and died for me. Hope. Hope makes not a shame because the love of God is shed abroad in our hearts. I'm going to tell you, you can't have any real hope until the love of God is shed abroad in your heart. That's where real hope is. And then love, of course, just mentioned it. God so loved the world. But he wants that love to be shed abroad in our hearts. You see that hope is in God and he wants to put that hope in us. But he wants us to come to a place where we give up all our own hope. I hope, I hope, I, I hope. God wants to put his hope in our hearts by his spirit. And with that, he'll put faith in our hearts. Because they can't be separated. I know Paul says, but well, the greatest of these is love. But they can't be separated, faith, hope and love, because they remain. They will not be done away. But it's we're to have hope in Jesus Christ, not in ourselves, not in our circumstances, not in our situations. So I'll just go on a little bit. Verse 21, but after long abstinence, fasting that means, Paul stood forth in the midst of them. Now, they were going to listen to him now. They've learnt their lesson. You didn't work out, did it, the way you, you thought you could sort it out. But you made a mess of it, didn't you? And now we're without hope and we can't even see the sun and we can't even see the stars. So will you listen to me this time? Will you listen to God this time? Stood forth in the midst of them and said, Sirs, you should have hearkened unto me and not have loose from Crete and to have gained this harm and loss now I exhort you be of good cheer see when we come to an end of ourselves and all hope is gone then God can say to us be of good cheer For, let's find it. Now I exhort you to be of good cheer, for there shall be no loss of any man's life among you, but of the ship. 
No, that's probably a good thing, isn't it? Because they were relying on the ship, weren't they? For there stood by me this night the angel of God, whose I am and whom I serve, saying, Fear not, Paul, thou must be brought before Caesar. See, God's will was going to be done. God's will is always done. Did you know that? You can't thwart God's will. And if God wants to save you, he will. When we come to a place where we let him. For I believe God. Have I jumped a verse there? No, I have. For there stood by me this night the angel of God whose I am and whom I serve, saying, Fear not, Paul, thou must be brought before Caesar, and lo, God hath given thee all them that sail with thee. Wherefore, sirs, be of good cheer, for I believe God. Who do you believe? <laughs> I believe God, that it shall be even as it was told me. I believe God that it shall be even as he has told me. It shall be even as he has told me. Mary said to the angel when he appeared to her, Be it unto me according to your word. And it was even as it was said unto her. Thou shalt bring forth a son, and thou shalt call his name Jesus, and he shall save his people from their sins. Paul had this confidence in God, that what God has said, even so it shall be. And we need to have a confidence in God, that what he has said, it will be even as he said. To have in no doubt in our hearts. Howbeit we must be cast upon a certain island. Now that was in God's will for them. Because when you come to a place, God has got to get rid of the things you trusted in before. When we come to a place where we've got no hope in ourselves or in the stars, how many people trust in the stars? You get what I'm saying? Through the horrible scopes. Trusting in the stars to guide them. They were trusting in the physical stars to guide them and the sun. And God took it away. And he wants to take away your dependence on everything. Everything. So they're going to be cast upon a certain island... But when the fourteenth night was come, so they've been there a while, haven't they? There were many days without the sun and the moon, sorry, and the stars. They had a long time at sea, weren't they? Hmm? Tossed about. To throw everything out the sea, everything out their boat. Have you, have you thrown everything out of your boat that you depend on? I'm serious. I'm very, very serious when I say that. 
Have you thrown everything out of your boat that you depend on? When the fourteenth night was come, as we were driven up and down in Adria, that's the Adriatic Sea between uh, Italy and Greece, yes? About midnight, the shipmen deemed that they drew near to some countries. So they always countries. We're near some country. And they sounded, and that is they dropped down to see how deep the water was and found it was 20 fathoms. Oh, they went a little further, and they sounded again, and found it was 15 fathoms. Then, feeling lest we should fall upon rocks, they cast four anchors out of the stern, and wished for the day. And the shipmen were about to flee out of the ship, when they had let down the boat, that it would be the little boats that they'd have hung over the side to get in, what they call them? You get them on the boats? A lifeboat. Why are they called the lifeboat? Because <laughs> they're going to save their lives. And they wanted to save their own lives, you see. So we're not going to listen. So even now, they still weren't really listening to God, were they? If you look at the picture. Oh, we're going to do this bit ourselves now. We'll drop down the lifeboat and we're going to get in the and we're going to off we go. Into the sea under colour as though they would have cast anchor out of the foreship. Paul said to the centurion and to the soldiers, except these abide in the ship, ye cannot be saved. See, they want to do their own thing again. You've got to abide. What did we read earlier on? Abide in me, and I in you. Except I abide in the ship, you can't be saved. Then the soldiers cut off the ropes of the boat and let it fall away. And while the day was coming on, Paul besought all to take meat, saying, This day is the fourteenth day that you have tarried and continued fasting. So they were fasting fourteen days. This was after they'd come to a place of no hope, and all hope was taken away. Now they were believing God, or some of them were, partially. So Paul said, You've been fasting now for fourteen days, you're going to have something to eat, okay? Um, they tarried and continued fasting, having taken nothing. Verse 34, Wherefore I pray you to take some meat, take some food, for this is now for your health, for there shall not a hair fall from your head of any of you. How about that then, eh? Do you trust God? Do you trust God with your life? Because I'm speaking spiritually now about your soul, obviously. Because that's the picture we've hopefully developed here. You'll be okay, don't worry. God's going to save you. As long as you trust Him. 
And when he had thus spoken, he took bread and gave thanks to God in the presence of them all. Isn't that wonderful? Of all these 200 and something prisoners, and there was the centurion and the soldiers, they were all there in the boat. And he took bread and gave thanks to God in their, in their presence. So he's saying, this is the one I trust. He died for you. Broke the bread and give thanks to God. See, he was feasting on Jesus Christ. That's where his sustenance came from. That's where his hope came from. He was steady on this rocky boat. His faith was steady. You never hear anything here where Paul had any doubt that God was going to do what he said. In fact, he said the exact opposite, that everything he's told you, he's going to do it. So when God speaks to us, and I'm repeating myself, if God says he's going to do it, he's going to do it. If you believe him. And when he had broken it, he began to eat. Then they, w sorry, then were they all of good cheer. See, they all cheered up now. God's with us now. This man trusts God. I'm with him. Who are you with? I'm with him. This fella obviously trusts God. He's solid. I, I'm trusting him. We're all going to do what he says. Take the food. And we were in all in the ship 203 score and 16 souls. So that's 276, I believe. 276. And when they had eaten enough, they lightened the ship. There were still a few other things to throw out. You thought you got rid of it all, hadn't you? Still a few other things got to go. And cast out the wheat. Of course, they didn't need the wheat anymore, did they? And when it was day, they knew not the land. But they discovered a certain creek with a shore, into the which they were minded, if possible, to thrust in the ship. And when they had taken up the anchors, they committed themselves unto the sea. You know, they just... And I commit myself to the sea now. I'm just going to let it go. Let everything go. Just commit myself to the sea. I forget, get, forget about everything. And loose the rubber bands. I don't think they had rubber bands on the, on the toy ship, was it? You know what I mean? And hoisted up the mainsail to the wind and made toward shore. And falling into a place where two seas meet, they ran the ship to ground, and the four parts stuck fast and remained unmovable. You see, when you obey God, he'll take you in to the place where he wants you to go. And he'll hold you there. It was unmovable. It remained unmovable. 
and the hinder part was broken with the violence of the waves and the soldiers counseled was to kill the prisoners lest any of them should swim out and escape but the centurion willing to save Paul kept them from their purpose and commanded that they could who those who could swim should cast themselves first into the sea and get to land and the rest some on board some on broken pieces of the ship and so it came to pass that they escaped all safe to the land I'll just go into chapter 28 briefly so you can see this where they were and when they would escaped they knew the land was called Melitan Malta okay but it was known then as Melita. So that's where they were. And if you go to Malta today, you'll find a little monument or something where they, where the ship alleged, well, we don't know where they know the real place, but I know there's a monument there. But everyone escaped safe. Verse 44, the, every single one of them escaped safe. Not one was drowned. In fact, we don't even hear of any injuries or anything, do we? Not saying they had a few cuts and scratches, but that's not what it's about, is it? So I think, well, I don't just think, I know that unless we come to that place, and there's so much more I could share from that, so much more, pictures and parables that are all in there, but the, the most important thing is we come to a place where we've got no hope of saving ourselves. None whatsoever. And as I say, we've all got to come there. God will bring us there if we want Him we're determined in our heart that it's him we want he won't let you escape till he's got you I'm telling you no matter what it takes are you willing I'm asking you a question are you willing whatever it takes you're going to believe God. I believe God. That's what he said. I believe God. That what he said, he will do. But we can only believe God when all our hope is taken away. Because we're going to believe other things, aren't we? I'm going to believe that my own religion my own philosophy, my own this, my own that, my own something else, my own experience, my own history, my background, whatever it is, my church I went to, my denomination I was affiliated to, or this. You've got to come to a place where there's no hope, where it's all taken away. All of it. And that's when you get through with God. 
that's when you can hear his voice and only then will you hear the voice of God when we come to a place where all hope is taken away and God wants to take all your hope away do you understand do you really understand he wants to take away out of your life all hope of you saving yourself or a religion saving you because it's the same thing isn't it whether it's a religion or whether it's you because you know I'm going to say my prayers I'm going to walk up to Saint going to go up the steps of Saint Peter on my knees I'm saving myself I'm going to walk up on this pilgrimage somewhere from here there saving myself I'm going to say my prayers every night I'm going to read my Bible every day I'm saving myself no that won't save you not until you come to a place where there's no hope and it's all taken away just people think if I do my religious deeds you know, even reading your Bible of itself but can't save you Jesus said to the Pharisees you read the scriptures because you think in them that you have eternal life but you won't come to me that you might have life the Bible cannot save you the Bible is not your saviour Jesus Christ is and when he, we allow him to bring us to a place where we've got no hope in anything then we're in the place God wants you to be and I'm telling you now he'll bring you there if you let him and then you'll get through and you'll know what it is to be born again of God for one or it could be a situation in your life you might already be born again a situation in your life that you find difficult don't trust in yourself <laughs> that's the last person you should trust in is yourself trust in the Lord with all your heart and lean not unto your own understanding in all your ways acknowledge him and he shall direct your paths Amen Hallelujah Thank you Lord that you are a faithful God not your will that any should perish whether it be in the sea or somewhere else it will be in hell that's for sure if we do perish but Lord you desire that all men should be saved come to repentance hallelujah Lord, we commit this word to you and we commit our hearts to you now, Lord, as we move on and, and sing our song. And we bless your name, Lord, for this opportunity that we've had. Amen. We're going to sing a Wesley hymn. And, a, and as we're singing, you respond to God in your heart. <laughs>